7654321. Welcome and good evening everybody, my name is Adam Wilkins and you're listening to Swords and Shotguns, the weird fiction and horror podcast. Today we're going to tie all the loose ends on the topic of zombies and we're going to expand on it a little bit. We'll return to the topic of voodoo zombies. We'll talk a little bit about the ideas of George Romero and the message behind his movies. And also we're going to talk a little bit about how zombies change and how they work in video games. But before we get to any of that, Souls and Shotguns is available freely on iTunes, Stitcher Radio and all your favorite podcasting apps. Also for today we've got a new band hailing from Poland, which is a stoner metal band adequately named Belzebong. Now, if you're not really a fan of music inspired and themed after certain substances, uh, don't worry, because it's it's strictly a instrumental output. So if you're not a fan of that, you can enjoy the music still. We're going to listen to them a little bit later. All the interesting presentations on this year's E3 is behind us and I have to say that I'm a little bit disappointed. There was not that much of cringe or any spectacular fails on any of the presentations, though there wasn't really much of interesting stuff for me. The things that did look cool was the new Beyond Good and Evil game, though I am kind of worried that it is a prequel, not a sequel, even though the first game ended on a rather obvious cliffhanger, as well as the fact that they talked about some open-world multiplayer, which isn't really something I think of when I think of Beyond Good and Evil, but we'll see. Let's, let's stay positive on that. There were two games, multiplayer games, um, inspired by the Golden Age of Piracy, which is kind of strange, and I'm not sure if if it's not going to become the new zombies, the, the new exploited topic that's going to be everywhere, pirates. Um, well, we already got another Pirates of the Caribbean movie, so we'll see how things unveil. Speaking of zombies, uh, they presented the game Days Gone, which looks kind of interesting. It had this um, The Last of Us vibe to it. I'm not sure what it's going to be about, really, but um, I will be looking at any coming materials on that game, definitely. The spaceship game, the one where you build uh, your spaceship through uh, changing pieces of a toy on the controller, is actually something that I really like. Uh, what I'm curious about is if they're going to have a PC version of this as well. I mean, making a USB dock station for a plastic uh, toy with some electronics in it isn't really that big of a deal. And we had, for instance, Skylanders on PC, so why not? Um, so far, they presented some on the controllers of some consoles, so we'll see about that. From all these presentations, uh, Nintendo definitely was the best, and they showed the most games that people were waiting for. One thing that I'm worried about is that they didn't show, at least not on the main uh, presentation, any 3DS games, even though there are some interesting titles coming in. 
uh, in the coming time. But um, it seems that they are slowly getting off this uh, 3DS and uh, we're going to see less and less games until they eventually pull the plug on the system, which is a shame because it's really probably one of my favorite handheld consoles of all time. But it's been out for so many years that it's kind of obvious and they want to push Switch, which is a mixture between a standard uh, living room kind of console and a handheld. They already said there will be a new Pokemon game in some coming future on the Switch, not not on any special uh, handheld device. So um, I think this is going to be the end, at least for some time, for strictly handheld Nintendo games, uh, which is a shame. Because this is, I've rarely gotten myself any of the um, main big consoles, but the handhelds like the Game Boy, the DS and the 3DS, definitely some of my favorite games have been there. Overall, not the best E3, not the most funny, but some really interesting titles were there. So I think there's a lot to be, um, there's going to be a lot of interesting things to, to wait for. Unfortunately, most of the titles are going to be released in 2018, so just a little bit more waiting. When I talked briefly about the idea of voodoo zombies, which seemed to predate the corpses rising from the graves, I omitted a very important movie that kind of, but not really, tackles this point of view on zombies, which is Zombie 2 from 1979 by Lucio Fulci, an Italian film director. But hang on, why is it called Zombie 2? Well, there's an interesting story behind it. Uh, see, it was supposed to be a sequel to Dawn of the Dead by George Romero, an Italian-only sequel. It doesn't really have anything to do with the uh, Romero series of movies about zombies, but it was supposed to be kind of a cash grab on that. The movie Dawn of the Dead was named Zombie in Italy, so Zombie 2 was its sequel. When, however, it was released abroad, there was a problem because there was no Zombie 1. It was still called Dawn of the Dead. So it's a mess. It's... Uh, it's something we don't really see that much anymore. The one very uh, well-known example of such problems was when Final Fantasy games were released to the West. Final Fantasy games were released... Uh, not all of them were released to the West initially. We only had the first game, the fourth game, the sixth game, and then seven came in on PlayStation 1. But two, three, and five were only released after that. They numbered the first game 1, the fourth game 2, and the sixth game 3, and suddenly there was Final Fantasy 7 on PlayStation 1, so it was rather confusing for people who didn't know about these games. And it's the same with movies, like Zombie. Although I've said that its uh, plot considers zombies that are raised through uh, voodoo magic, the problem is that this trope is not really utilized that well in the movie. The zombies themselves are still modeled after dead corpses that raise from the dead and uh, eat human flesh. It's not really something that we saw in uh, a movie like White Zombie with Bela Lugosi. 
what's lacking here is this idea of, you know, a human mind being possessed and trying to, and struggling to break free from some magician or something like that, or a force that's surrounding them. Don't get me wrong, the movie is still entertaining as hell. It's uh, it's bloody and uh, gory and uh, kind of silly, but but still very entertaining nonetheless. But we didn't really have any um, modern-day movies about this type of zombies. I think this is the problem with uh, what, what Romero did. I'm not saying that Romero movies are bad, not at all. They are great, but what they did is bring this type of zombie to the pop culture where no other zombies really can appear. Zombies are not really uh, an interesting idea from folklore or anything like that. They're supposed to be more like a utility that you use to scare people and bring some tension. Uh, whereas something like vampires or werewolves can be uh, changed and modified according to whatever the director or a writer wants to do because it's such a complex concept, and uh, both of them actually coming from the same myth, that um, there's a lot of variety that you can bring. With zombies, people generally just think it's a dead corpse, and, and it's animated, and it wants to eat, you, eat your flesh, that's it. Now, speaking of George Romero, I talked briefly in the first episode about zombies, about... Um, the idea behind zombies, how they scare people, why they are an effective tool for a horror creator. But is what? But what is also interesting is what messages George Romero put in his movies. Now people always talk about how oh you see Dawn of the Dead, you see the zombies in the mall. Oh, it's it's a parody of how people are consuming goods and uh, how completely brainless they are when doing so, but it's very, you know, very um, superficial, I think. What is actually very interesting is not the zombies themselves, they are utility. The characters are bringing the horror to themselves, either through not working together properly or fighting with each other. It's been there since Night of the Living Dead. Sometimes people would be even better off fighting the zombies of themselves, but since they are stuck in a certain situation together, they have absolutely no choice but to um, work as a group, as a team, and defeat this, or fail doing so, this evil, and uh, prevailing in this um, particular scenario basically means staying alive. Now, zombies themselves act differently depending on the movie as well. When we look at Day of the Dead, we've got this one particular zombie that has certain aspects of humanity still preserved in him. It's possible to actually bring some of that back, and not to spoil the plot of the movie, which you should watch, um, it definitely brings certain depth to the idea of zombies in Romero's universe. If we consider zombies as a certain type of parody of how humanity and our society in general works in certain ways and uh, certain situations, this is actually a very positive message because it shows that it's possible to reverse that even though we are still soaking in this atmosphere of, of dread and of being hopeless this one zombie actually has some humanity left in him. 
so maybe it's possible to kind of wake up from that uh, what Romero thinks is uh, the state of you know, maybe not moral but this general decay of society certain uh, single persons are able to break out of it and even though they are still zombies certain human aspects can be preserved well, I'm not sure if you find that um, optimistic or uplifting at all but if you need any of that here is some Belzebunk for you
now let's move to the topic of zombie video games. To be clear, I'm not talking about any video games that include characters of, that are zombies, because that would include some of the early D&D games like Eye of the Beholder, where you have a lot of undead, but or something like Zombies Eat My Neighbors. Um, but what I mean is that games that utilize zombies as means of creating tension or even scaring the player. And I think it all comes down to what mechanics you use. For instance, if we look at one of the earlier examples, the few first Resident Evil games, they were mostly modeled after the gameplay of Alone in the Dark, which were already very old games. Now, Resident Evil utilizes very few enemies on screen, but what it has is what is called tank controls. Now, tank controls basically means that moving around is extremely difficult because first you have to position yourself in a direction and then you have to move forward. It's not helping that the perspective changes all the time because all the backgrounds are pre-rendered, kind of like, again, in some Final Fantasy games. And while it creates atmosphere and uh, it can be used to bring attention to certain elements on screen by using certain camera angles, it is also very difficult to maneuver. And whether you take it as a downside or something that actually improves the atmosphere is up to you. The thing is, you can have very few zombies on screen or any other creatures that appear in the games, and um, it still creates tension because first you have to position yourself to uh, properly be able to shoot or to attack um, with some melee weapons uh, your attacker. But it all has changed with Resident Evil 4. Now Resident Evil 4 has a completely different gameplay. It changes the perspective from pre-rendered Alone in the Dark and Silent Hill style camera angles to third-person action. It's pretty clear why they had to substitute the slow-moving zombies with something else, because these new uh, zombies in this Spanish rural setting of Resident Evil 4 are quite fast, they are not dumb, they can actually utilize quite a few tactics, they can use weapons, and they can communicate with each other. To still keep this tension, to still keep this atmosphere of being in danger, they had to completely change the idea of what threats you have to face. If we had, for instance, Resident Evil 4 controls in Resident Evil 1, I believe this game would become extremely easy, because it's all designed so that you are able to beat it with these horrible non-not tank controls. Another way it could be approached is through the power of the enemies. And this is, for instance, something that happens in Silent Hill 3, where most of your enemies are, from the beginning, too difficult to fight, so you have to just run. However, Silent Hill is not a zombie game, or not strictly a zombie game, and uh, to my knowledge, it hasn't been utilized that much in this particular branch. 
I do, however, remember one particular mod to Counter-Strike Source, um, which I used to play quite frequently. There were two zombie mods, actually. Two zombie mods I remember for Counter-Strike Source. One was where one team would take control over zombies, which I don't really like that much, because zombies are supposed to be this kind of brain-dead entities, and uh, having people control them makes them use tactics and communicate with each other, and it doesn't really fit with the mood. But there was another mod that was about zombies controlled uh, by a computer, and they would outnumber the players quite quite a lot, and uh, they would have to work together, find shelter, you could move objects around the map and uh, create these shelters, and for instance you could block doors with vending machines and leave enough space to be able to shoot at zombies. It was a lot of fun, and if there's people still playing it, you should definitely check it. Uh, it's definitely worth it, but this quantity over... well, maybe not over quality, but over power, is something that made Dead Rising stand out. And Dead Rising was one of the original uh, Xbox 360 exclusives, which isn't exclusive anymore, but this game was a ton of fun. First of all, you were limited by the time you could play. There were only, like, in-game seven hours to uh, solve as many mysteries as you could and help as many people as you could and do all the... Uh, tasks and be in certain places at certain times. Kind of a little bit Shinmu style, not something that everybody likes, being always uh, reminded that you have a time limit to do everything, but I think it fit perfectly with that, especially that zombies here are just waves and waves of, ob of obstacles that you just have to go through. And when you lose yourself in the sea of, of dead corpses uh, animated and uh, on the hunt for your brains. Um, it's not really all that scary, but the knowledge that you have to be quick and that you have to actually maneuver through them and that they can just easily outnumber you and um, just devour you from every possible um, side and, and all the exits could be just blocked. And this is what creates a lot of tension. With time, the games kind of moved in a different direction, which I don't really like, especially the last game, which was supposed to be this great comeback to this classic gameplay of utilizing your surroundings, finding ways to escape from zombies, finding ways to kill them in creative ways. It's all gone! You can see I haven't really mentioned uh, Left 4 Dead, which is because I haven't played that much of these games, but from what I could see, they kind of go back to this idea of a team having to work together to uh, stay alive. But what I didn't like is all the different types of zombies. I just I just don't consider them zombies, okay? It's, it's different interesting monsters, but this is not what I think of. Maybe I have this too conservative uh, view of zombies as they were in George Romero's movies or in Max Brooks' uh, Zombie Survival Guide or whatever, but... And sure, you can have different types of zombies, but uh, certain ways they move and act, I think, uh, just don't fit with this particular aesthetic. These games are good, don't get me wrong, but I'm not really that big of a fan of them. I do like this 
notion that you have to work together, that you have to communicate to stay alive. And again, it's very much Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Living Dead vibe. And uh, I can respect that, definitely. I'm not sure if we're going to see many interesting uh, ideas about zombies in video games in the coming time. I think this particular trend has kind of died out from more interesting ideas that came out in this trend, I think the most uh, hilarious and fun was Oregon Trail, a spoof of Oregon Trail, uh, this extremely old game that kind of a cultural phenomena in uh, the United States. It isn't really all that well known outside of there, uh, but I've learned of that game through Oregon Trail and it didn't really um, stop me this lack of knowledge from enjoying it immensely. It's basically a survival game in the retro stylistic and um, you will die a lot and it's it's relatively cheap so there's no reason not to get it. What this uh, game Days Gone will bring us for instance? Who knows? We'll see. Um, if the trend doesn't live on at least we'll have still some um, maybe less popular underground creators uh, still thriving on this concept because just like vampires or werewolves, I don't think it's going away. It's here to stay as an important part of our contemporary pop culture. that wraps up this episode of Swords and Shotguns. What did you think? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Um, if you want to leave any feedback or suggestions, you can do that at swords.shotguns at gmail.com or on the official Facebook page. If you would like to have your music featured on the show, you can do it the exact same way. Next episode, we're getting out of this horror landscape back to the plains of Sumeria. We're getting back to Robert E. Howard, and we're going to take a look at the various movie adaptations of his characters, so stay tuned for that. I was your host, Adam Wilkins, and you've been listening to Swords and Shotguns. Until next time.